Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1091. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance that takes place on Sunday, August 26th. You can learn more at pebblebeachconcord.net. Choose a career that where you'll make enough money to enjoy your hobby, or you can go and work in your hobby. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Thomas Plasinski. Hey, Thomas, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I absolutely am. This should be fun. Yes, it will be. Thomas Plasinski is the head of BMW Group Product Communications for BMW of North America. Tom has been with BMW for 29 years in both Canada and the USA, spending time in product strategy parts and service, the motorcycle division, in addition to his current role. Tom leads a team that is responsible for product and technology communications with the media for BMW, Mini, and BMW Motorrad, as well as Motorsport and Classic. He's a BMW North America historian and is responsible for BMW USA Classic Collection that includes a range of vehicles that represents the 40-plus year history of BMW in North America. He's an avid automotive enthusiast who's been honing his driving skills in cars and motorcycles and more since he was uh, old enough to drive, and he's the only BMW North America employee checked out to drive all the classic race cars in the collection. How cool is that? And I was fortunate to meet Tom at the opening of LeMay, America's Car Museum Heroes of Bavaria exhibit, where he brought some of BMW's classic race cars to the museum, and that displays open through May 2019. You've got to get out here to the Pacific Northwest to see that. So, Tom, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for BMW automobiles? Well, thanks. Yeah, that was a nice intro there. When people ask me what my job is, you know, my title, as you mentioned, was quite difficult to understand. Basically, I'm responsible and my team is responsible for talking about anything that has wheels. So anything to do with BMW that has wheels, it's our group that talks about it. So bikes, cars, classic, motorsport, race cars, it's all, it's all us. And we're very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about it. I've been lucky enough to be leading that group for quite a while now. And the LeMay exhibit that you mentioned there is also something we're very proud of. We have eight cars in that exhibit. And it's a beautiful exhibit. I was really lucky to go out and and see it and as well as be there for the opening when we had our little round table there yeah, yeah. Uh, with Bill Oberlin and Peter uh, Peter Gleason. Oh so yeah, was, Peter. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a blast and I hope people can get a chance to go up and and have a look at them. Absolutely. You know, it is such a cool exhibit and my my listeners know I'm a huge BMW fan. I've been driving BMW cars for over 20 years and when I oh, got the up op- well of course, I mean I <laughs> I love the mark and uh I just love it. In fact, the BMW M3s are the cars responsible for getting me on the racetrack to drive and race vintage cars because that was the first car I took on a racetrack and drove at speed was my E36 M3 to see if I was comfortable. And oh, turns nice. out, turns out I was and uh, uh, ended up racing old cars, but I, I just love BMWs and I'm so, so grateful to have you here 
And again, we'll be talking about that LeMay event a little bit and all the other things in your life. But first, I'd like to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success over these many years with BMW. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Tom, take the wheel. (laughs) When I was 18, I met a gentleman at the local car bookstore, you know, a little corner store where they sold car magazines. And he had a really nice car. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Really nice car in the park. Hey, mister, is that your car out there? And we got to be good friends. And actually, he became a second father to me. He said one day when I was planning to go to university for engineering, he goes, Tom, my boy, you have a choice here. It's time to either choose a career that where you'll make enough money to enjoy your hobby, or you can go and work in your hobby. That was a turning point for me. I did go to engineering school, graduated as a mechanical engineer, and I chose to work in my hobby for these last 30-odd years. Nice. And it's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Well, those were words that changed your life, no doubt. And that's what Cars Yeah is all about. People who've wrapped their passion for automobiles, motorcycles, trucks, into their careers, their businesses, and their lives. And you're one of those guys that had some wonderful guidance because so many people go into a field just to make money or get a job, and they live for the weekends, they live for retirement so they can do what they really want to do. So, uh, Tom, you figured out the secret sauce of life much earlier than most people. So you're very fortunate to have that mentor. But you and I are not alone. I mean, we both did more or less the same thing here in terms of, of choosing to make our business our hobby or our hobby our business. Yes, and, yes. And, and there are lots like us. And, and it's really, it's been a great industry to work in because you're surrounded by people who really, truly have passion for for what they're working at and what oh, we're absolutely. working on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so much fun. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Sounds like as a young man, you were into cars. Uh, reading the car magazines like we all always did. But is there a pivotal moment when you went, you know what, I'm really a car guy for sure? Well, my mother would say that she has said that my first word was car. So it it was a downhill after that. (laughs) By the time I was five, I think I could name every car that we would pass, you know, on the highway. And my my dad was worked in the aerospace industry, so he wasn't much of a car guy. But my uncle worked for Ford Motor Company. He would bring me toys from the company and so on. So I, I got into it at a very early age. I had you know a huge collection of Matchbox and Corgis and and Hot Wheels growing up. It took me a long time to part with those cars. I think it was forty when I finally parted with those models. <laughs> but that's how it how, how it goes. And then the same, the same gentleman who I met in that magazine store, he was a very successful businessman. He, he had probably one of the first Ferraris that I'd ever seen in real life. Oh, wow. So he was the one that turned me on to, uh, to Italian cars and, and Ferraris in particular mm-hmm. at the ripe early age of 18. So, you oh. know, it was, that, those were some of the, the milestones, first words, then, then meeting this gentleman and then... Uh, getting immersed in some of the, the world of Ferrari. And I went for Ford for a little while. That wasn't in my bio, but I started my career after I finished engineering school. I went to Ford. Oh. I spent four years there. Okay. And then uh, while I was at Ford, I really liked the Mercure XR4Ti's, if you remember those oh, yes. back yeah. in the 80s, right, with the double spoiler on the rear and yeah. everything. yeah. I was one of the few people at Florida, Canada who actually liked that car. So I thought, huh, maybe I don't fit here. Yeah. And uh, 
And I was calling on dealers at the time, and the dealer, one of my dealers had a trade in 944, I think it was. I, I think it was the 944, not a turbo though. They also had a 528E, an E28 brought in on trade, automatic transmission. So not the best best version of all, but uh, I asked to take those for a little drive and it was a revelation for me because I'd been kind of a Mustang guy prior to that, lots of horsepower, mm-hmm. more or less in the straight line. And here were, here were these, these German cars that did everything well. They stopped, they turned, they were fun to drive, they handled well. The spec sheet didn't say they should be better because they, they didn't have numbers that made them look like they had more performance, but they were they were really good yeah. in, in every respect. So uh, that's what turned me on to BMW. Nice. And after four years at Ford, I made the jump over to BMW, and I've been here ever since. Never looked back. Very nice. Never looked well, back, no. Well, I'm 60 now, and I still have all my Matchbox, all my Corgis, all my Hot <laughs> Wheels. Go. So good yeah. for you. I'm a little you. My sick. Wife had me, <laughs> had me sell them. So my son took some of them, but some of them were, were I sold off. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. I hid mine, so my wife couldn't find them. That's that's the trick there for you <laughs> listeners. If you're getting up there in age and your wife is raising her eyebrow, going, "Why do you still have all these toys? Just hide them." That's all you have to do. A little, a fun, funny little story, actually. Another little story on on the on the uh, uh, wheels. I had both. The Snake and Mongoose. Remember the funny cars? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I ran into Don Prudhomme at Daytona, at the Rolex 24 at Daytona two years ago. And he's looking at our M6 at the time. And he goes, he says to me, you probably, I'm just some old man. I don't know anything. And I went, no, I know exactly who, who you are. are. I yeah. had your Hot Wheel when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I used to build the Revell models of his uh, funny cars and the cars yep. that he raced. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. Well, Tom, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've got a long career and you're involved in so many things. You've got to know so many things. No doubt though, you've met up with maybe a few challenges, maybe a failure here and there. These are great learning experiences for us. So maybe you could walk us through one of those and tell us how that experience helped you gain more momentum in your career as you move forward. Yeah, I think the the one that was really pivotal for me was bringing in the E36 M3, the Canadian version, though, the which was the European version. So I was at BMW Canada, and I was responsible for product strategy, product planning at that time. And that was a project that was, at one side, very interesting, on the other hand, extremely challenging. You're an M3 guy, so oh, maybe yeah. you know a little bit of the story, but uh, the E30 M3, which is revered now, was yes. not a huge seller in its day. It was, a, it was a very expensive car, and there were quite a few that were left in our, in our lots, both in Canada and the U.S., and so you know, there wasn't a huge demand for M3 yet. It wasn't that well-established. Mm-hmm. BMW Motorsport, as it was called at the time, came over and came to the U.S., and the U.S. group said, no, we don't want your it's too expensive. And then they came up to Canada, or the head of BMW Motorsport came up to Canada and said, so what about you guys? And my boss at the time was president of BMW Canada. He says, okay, Tom, what do you think? And I went, well, there's probably a market for about 50 of them. If we do it right, we should be able to to move 50 over a period of three years. So, you know, 150 total. And he said, well, okay, what if it sells really well more? I said, no, I think you really have to bring it in as a limited edition. We'll decide on a number for year one. Let's say it's 50. 
and then cap it at that. And he goes, well, I'm a salesman. How are you going to stop me from ordering more? And I said, well, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll number them uh, one, one to 50 or 45. Well, it turned out in the end, it was 45, the number we brought in. You can't have two number two of 45 and you can't have number 46 of 45. So that stopped the, the salespeople and all of us to say, hey, that, that worked well. Let's, let's bring some more in. So the difference between the U.S. car that eventually came later was the U.S. car had a mildly operated basic BMW AG engine versus the Canadian car, which had uh, essentially the head from the, from the McLaren F1 GT or F1 motor, sorry, the McLaren F1 motor head. So it was a continue, continuous the variable Vano system and so on, a much more advanced engine, single throttle for each, each cylinder and that sort of thing. Most said, okay, let's do it. And so we started working on it. After a while, the U.S. decided, hey, wait a minute, we don't want to get locked out of this whole M3 thing altogether. And with the might of BMW North America, they decided they pushed motorsport into developing a special car for the U.S. market. At the time, I thought, oh, that's not a real M car. But I, I think in the, the reality is, is that the U.S. M3 really did make the M, the M brand in the U.S. It, it moved enough volume at the time that it really established M in the U.S., it was about 10,000 cars, you know, so that was a lot. It's an interesting story because now you think of the E30 M3 as an icon and you can't imagine that people weren't buying them. And even the E36M and M Motorsport and the concept of it, which is so spectacular now, I mean, it's the holy grail for BMW people to have an M car. I mean, even to the point that you put M Sport graphics on lower level cars just because you might move more cars because it's become so such a big seller. It's hard for me to fathom that it wasn't that popular. What do you think was going on at the time and why it wasn't here in, in North America? Well, the first M3 was, was really a mulligation car, right? It was designed to go German touring car racing in Europe. They had to build 5,000 street cars that were loosely based on the race car, and then they could build the race cars and go racing. As a street car, it really wasn't a great daily driver. I was lucky enough to, to have one of the last cars in Canada as my company car for a few months. And I remember, uh, even though I loved the look of it, it was really sporty and lots of fun, handled fantastically well. I couldn't wait to get out of that car after <laughs> after three months because it, it was so buzzy. And, you know, the 401 in Toronto had this great big long grade and you had to shift down two gears to get up the grade get into a 325 IS afterwards. Uh, even though I didn't like the look of the 325 IS as much as the M3. So as, as a daily car, it, it had some compromise. It was never the easiest car to live with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. As, a, as a collector car later on, it's, it's fantastic because then you sure. drive it a little bit, you take it to the track. It's fantastic on the track. It works much better as a collector car than it did as a daily driver. And it was expensive. I remember that car was... In Canada, it was high 50s, so yeah. U.S. was 40-something thousand. So yeah, that's a lot, a lot of, money. of money for a small car with a four-cylinder motor and not that much horsepower. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're absolutely fantastic. In fact, I have a good friend who uh, just out on his boat this weekend, has an E30 M3, and he, he hadn't had it out in a while, and he brought it down to the dock, and I was just sitting there looking at it as the sun was setting. It's Hennerot, just a beautiful car, and... He was kind of thinking of selling it. And I'm like, do not sell this car. Don't go there. Just stop. Stop it. Sell the boat. 
don't sell the car. Of course, he looked at me cross-eyed. He wouldn't sell either of them. But any rate, yeah, just fantastic. So it's, it's really amazing where M has come for BMW over the last decades and where it's going to. So kudos to you and, and everybody there at BMW for what yeah. you guys are doing. Let's shift gears and talk about a big aha moment in your career, kind of a big pivot that you might have done. You've worked in so many different areas. A time when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate a new path for you. Can you share one of those with us? Yeah, one of those would have been uh, switching to the motorcycle side of the business. At BMW Canada, I was at one point responsible for the national workshop where where all the cars got got repaired or our company cars got repaired. And there were always bikes in there. So And, and I wasn't familiar with motorcycles. I didn't have a, a motorcycle license. So um, one day I just you know, t- got tired of asking the motorcycle guys to move a bike for me and decided to to learn how to ride and really got into it. And uh, and after two years there, two years of, of riding on my own, then uh, I was asked to run the motorcycle division in, in Canada and uh, and then in the U.S. for a couple of years. You know, that was kind of a aha moment in that I kind of mastered four wheels. I could drive reasonably well. I could get around the track reasonably well. It was just, at that point, it was you know, maybe working on speed a little bit. And here, motorcycles was this brand new skill and brand new community that I was joining. So it was it was uh, a really different experience, but it's made me appreciate both two wheels and four wheels more. I love BMW motorcycles. I think they're so cool. And, uh, you know, even the uh, the off-road, on-road version of, mo- of the BMW bikes, I mean, that is a whole culture in and of itself, those guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's my absolute favorite. The the yeah, GF, the GS, yeah, 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 absolutely. I live up here in the northwest where it rains, and there was a BMW dealer right across the street from my old office for a while, and it could be the most miserable day, and those guys would still be pulling in there with the big, you know, the luggage packs on the back, and um, yep. I when I got to go over there and learn more about these bikes because <laughs> I was I was riding a, a Ducati Monster and an MV Agusta F4 at the time, and you oh, know, very kinda, nice. Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, well, I got off. Every time I get off that that Envia Gusta, I go, "What am I doing? This is insane. I'm going to kill myself." But it was just such a <laughs> it's such an insane bike to ride. So beautiful. But going over to the dealership, I remember the guy let me ride the GSs and then the Rs and the the, the road bikes, which I never thought I'd like the big cruisers. Like, man, these bikes are nice. So uh, very cool. Nice, interesting pivot. Now, are you still riding these days? Yes. Well, I'm still still responsible for communications for the motorcycle division. So, yes, I do get to ride. Not as much as I'd like to. Definitely, I do ride still, yes. Very cool. And, very and cool. by far, my favorite bike is the GS. It's you know That's a bike that you could and people have go around the world with. And that's it, it, it's, a, it's a freedom on two wheels and to go anywhere. And, well, that uh, wonderful it, movie it's, it's by fantastic. Ewan McGregor, uh, you know, where they yeah. went around the world, uh, he and his buddy. Yeah, I mean, it just made you want to go sell everything, go buy a bike and just leave, you know? <laughs> My wife threw that tape away. <laughs> She's like, don't get any ideas here, dude. <laughs> you still got some kids to put and, through and college. You know and the fun part about running that division, though, is you talk to people who had done similar things. You and did a fantastic uh, documentary of going around the world, but our customers did this all the time. And, yeah. you know, you, I, I ran into one police officer from Montreal. He went to, he decided one day he was going to ride down to Cape Horn, wow. the bottom of the continent. And, yeah. and he had the photos to show it and the stories to tell. And it was fascinating, you know, so that was a lot of fun. And then I switched back to the car division again and 
learned about dealer operations and and building new dealers and what their issues can be and mm-hmm. and then uh and then from there I moved moved over here to the PR group. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, awesome pivots. What a place to pivot to when you're working for BMW. There's a lot of places to go to have some fun. <laughs> well, speaking of yeah. fun, let's talk about your first really special car. Now, you probably had a lot of company cars, so when I say your car, is there a car that you got in your past that, that was your car that really made you feel special and maybe you could share a memory about that vehicle? Well, the first car I bought, I bought after I worked for, and this is going to give give away my age a little bit. <laughs> I worked for American Motors for the summer. American what? <laughs> American Motors. Yeah, yep. I remember AMG, them. In Bramley, Ontario, and they were building Concorde DLs and Eagle... Eagle, I can't remember what kind of eagle Talons, they were. Talons, maybe? Eagle Talons? Is that what they were? Eagle I don't Talons. remember. Yeah, no, maybe. I don't think it was a Talon. It was it was a, a wagon and a four-door sedan coupe-looking thing. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> so I built those for the summer. It was incredibly hard work. They didn't have a lot of ergonomic aids to, you know, hoist things above your head and, and support the weight. Mm-hmm. And I had to install front springs and shocks on these, these cars. But I got paid a lot of money. Worked 10 hours a day, two hours of overtime, worked Saturdays for a time and a half. You could opt to work for Sunday. So I made a lot of money that summer. I had enough money to go to school, and I bought myself a brand-new 1982 Mustang GT. Cool. And the Mustang GT in 82, that was the bo- uh, the Fox body car. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And that was the resurgence of the, of the muscle car era, right? I mean, yeah. that was the one that took the Mustang out of the doldrums of the 70s and brought brought the muscle car era back so yeah i had one of the first ones of those nice nice you know that had recaro seats in it well even cooler yeah absolutely <laughs> cool. you, you know a car is, comes to mind you were talking about older american motors cars is the 65 rambler marlin have you remember that car it was almost a barracuda no, <laughs> oh yeah it had this big sweeping back in thing. It was a two-door coupe. Oh, yes, yes. Actually, I think we called it the Matador in in, in Canada. Is okay, awesome? okay. Probably could have been the same car. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it was just kind of cool. I mean, some of the listeners are going, what are you talking about, Mark? You've been drinking this morning, but... <laughs> wasn't that cool? Yeah, it wasn't that cool, but I don't know. There was just something kind of neat about it that kind of went back, and of course, you know, the, the AMX that American Motors built in the late 60s, and of course, there was the mighty gremlin. Uh, that everybody's the mighty gremlin, about, yeah. the mighty gremlin no, that everybody's thinking. I, my of. friend of mine had one of those in high school. It was not very mighty. No, not at all. No, nope, not at nope. all. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about Sellers Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned, you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? To be honest, I haven't owned that many cars. I owned a Mercur XR4Ti. I had a Mustang GT. I currently have a. A, a, a 325 E46 325 with a sport package, but everything else has been a company car. But I can tell you that the Selvas Remorse I've had, every M3 generation I've owned, except maybe for the E30, where you, you let the car go back and you go, oh, I should buy that car. I really should keep that car. That's the best M3 ever. And it happened to me with E36, partly because I was so close to that car. I mean, it's the reason I have gray hair today is that car. <laughs> so. Oh, I should keep that one. And then E46 is one that I, I still remember the last one we had in our press fleet here was the one I thought I should get. It was uh, Interlagos Blue with the competition package. Oh. Like, should have done it. Yeah. And then E92 with that lovely V8. Still thinking I should, I should go back and, re, and buy a, 
an E92 with a V8. But yeah. uh, but the current car is so good, and they keep getting better every year, too. So. I know. Yeah. What are you doing? And do? I know when the next one comes, I'll think, oh, the next one's even better. So I don't need to get the, the current one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the type of buyer's remorse I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a little different than the normal one. I, I get it. Well, when you get to play with as many cars as you do, that, that adds a complexity to it. Well, I've loved my... My 05 E46 M3, um, in our pre-show chat, I mentioned I took it into BMW Northwest. Manfred's been a guest on the show here. He owns that dealership, a couple of dealerships, and they take great care of my my vehicles. In fact, when I pulled in, uh, an old colleague of mine back in my days at Grios, Lizzie, uh, was working there, and she goes, oh, there comes that little sugar cube. I'm like, sugar cube? She actually called my car a sugar cube. She goes, Cause it's just so sparkly and shiny all the time. <laughs> so uh, that was nice of her, but uh, very nice. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up these days. Now, one thing that uh, we touched on at the beginning is at the LeMay America's Car Museum, the Heroes of Bavaria exhibit, where of which you brought some cars, some vintage, older BMW race cars, even a couple newer ones. But what has you excited and fired up these days when it comes to BMW? Well, definitely the LeMay exhibit is really special. I mean, we have everything from a BMW Williams Formula One car in there that we brought out, which is a beautiful car, yeah. uh, all the way to Bill Oberlin's 400th race M6 GT LM that, that mm-hmm. is completely unrestored after he won its, his yeah. 400th race. Sorry, he didn't win 400 races. He won the race that was his 400th race. Yes. And uh, at Petit Le Mans in uh, 16, yeah, 17, sorry, 17. Yeah, 17, and, yeah. um, and we've kept the car completely unrestored, so it looks the part. So that that's a, a great exhibit. And if you're anywhere up in the nor- uh, Pacific Northwest, you've got to go and visit yes. that. Yeah. There's some lovely cars there. I think it's 16 cars total, of which we, we brought eight for that. Wow. Um, on the production side, we have a whole bunch of new cars that we're preparing to launch. This is a huge time for, for launches at BMW. Um, a few that we can talk about so far are just launching the M2 competition right now. Mm-hmm the M5 competition, and I had a chance to drive a, a pre-production M2 competition, and that's my new favorite Is it? M4. Oh, oh yeah, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. By far. It, it is really, really good. I didn't think we could improve on the M, normal M2, but the M2 competition is that much better. And then at Pebble Beach, we had the world premiere of the Z4, so uh, this, we have a new Roadster coming to market soon. And hopefully some some people saw that uh, at at Pebble. Uh, we showed the concept car last year, and this year we're bringing the the actual production car. Also at Pebble last year we showed the, an eight series concept, and this year we uh, we had the North American premiere of the of the eight series coupe. There's a convertible coming too. So and um, and we have a concept car out there. We showed at Pebble this year as well for the M8 Grand Coupe. So. So that's another car coming to production sometime in the near future. We can expect a new 3 Series in not too long from now. And then um, in, LA this, in L.A. this year for the auto show, I'm sure we'll have a host of new concepts or new promises of things that are that are coming down the road for us, including one that I, I heard you're an X5 owner. So we have a new X5 and we have a, the X7 finally Seven, coming yeah. to market. Yeah. Yes. Another vehicle being produced at our plant in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and uh, it's coming to market early next year. 
and we'll show the production version of that vehicle in in LA. So lots coming from us on the production side. And speaking of Pebble Beach, I mean that's 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 always an event that we we have uh, a lot of coverage from, and, and we'd like to bring some cool toys out to. So we're running our. 1975 uh, 3.0 CSL in the races there, and we'll have our M1 uh, IMSA Group 4 out there as well. And the M1 celebrates its uh, 40th anniversary this year, and so and that's the first M car. So M celebrates its 40th anniversary in in a way. 40th. Now I feel old. Holy cow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Exactly. And then this is also the 50th anniversary for the 2002. So oh we my expect gosh. to see quite a few 2002s events going on this year. We had a great one with the BMW Car Club of America in, in Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. By the way, that's another event. If you haven't been to that, you've got to go. It's fantastic. Yes, I've heard it yeah. is absolutely brilliant. Wow. Bill Oberlin and I got a chance to give some charity rides at, at the Pittsburgh Grand Prix. And I have to tell you, that track is unbelievable. It's just it's not off. You can go out on public roads and drive really fast yeah. and use the entire road. And yeah, it was neat. Bill was in the Z4 GTLM from uh, 2015, and uh, it was quite a spectacular sight. I drove the uh, I drove our little Alpina 2002 race car, and so uh, we had uh, some good times out there. Yeah. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Bill's a future. Guest coming up here to be oh, on I'm cars, glad. yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll he get him on. Be on. Yeah, I got to meet him at the LeMay event. A great guy. So uh, once I can pin him down when he's not on a track driving a car somewhere, we'll get him. <laughs> we'll get him on this show. Well, so much exciting things coming from BMW. I am absolutely thrilled and excited to see all of them. Great to hear about the new uh, M2, and uh, I love that competition because when I ordered my car, I ordered it with the competition package. But nowadays, that means a whole other level of, of fun stuff. So Yeah, and actually, the competition now is not just a package. It's a, it's a different model. On M2, there's only, it only comes that way. So there is no more M2. There's just an M2 competition. But the M5 is a separate model, and it has different badging and so on on it. So Monster it, car. It, that is the way we're, <laughs> we're moving forward with M. So M, the base M is... Let's say an M3, then the next level up would be an M3 competition. The next level up would be an M3 CS. And then presumably down the road, you could have a CSL version. Nice. And that would be your your range of of track focus. So if you want to dial up track focus, you head towards the CS and the CSL. Uh, So much stuff to tease me with, Tom. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Ah. Good stuff there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Tom. If you were a car, if you were manifested into a car, what would you be and why? That's a tough one. Uh, you know, that, I, I struggled with that question. You sent me this question ahead of time, and I'm just, I'm not sure. I, I, as a person, I, I tend to have many different skills, but I like to renovate houses. I like to work on, on watches. I like to, I like to drive. I like things with adrenaline. I like things where I'm introspective. Mm-hmm. So... I'm trying to I was trying to come up with a car that was kind of a good at a lot of things, maybe not the best at everything, but yeah, good at yeah. a wide range of things. And I have to say I I couldn't find a car that did it, but I did find a bike. I think for me, it's more like a GS. Okay. I like it. There oh, you go. Good on the road, good off road, not not the best off road, not the best on road, but able to do a a wide range of things. And doing so, well. Yeah. 
Okay, two wheels. Yeah, Sorry. I like it. That's okay. You're one of the very few motorcycle guys uh, or motorcycles on the show who've answered that question with two wheels, but that's okay. If it rolls on rubber, I love it here at Cars. Yeah, so very, very nicely done. Well, Tom, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Tom, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been in that position a few times, I'm sure. This is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the BMW throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Praise this one as one for people buying a classic car because everyone uh, people ask me what should, what car should I buy? Should I get this one, not that one? You can never pay too much for the for the right car. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh so yeah. important because restorations are really expensive. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Read. Read as much as you can about about what you're interested in. And actually, it's easier now. I mean, you can Google search everything, and it's way easier to, to learn about your passions now than it was when I was growing up. And, and YouTube can help you fix anything. So, you know. Yeah. I, I learned how to be a podcaster on YouTube. <laughs> I watched a lot of tutorial, learned how to build research, a website. Research, yeah, research. research. Absolutely. Yep. Well, speaking of re- and resources, if I could say that word, 
Is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think that they would enjoy? Um, I, you know, I think I use the ones that a lot of people do. I, I really like Bring a Trailer. I, I dream every day. Ah, <laughs> yeah. That teaser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, to, I like to look at the auction results and so on. I, you know, I am responsible for a group of uh, about 150 cars that the BMW uh, USA Classic Collection contains. So I'd like to keep in the track of that. Um, you know, broad range of interest for for things, but they're all mainstream. Yeah, Randy Nannenberg, yeah, he teases us every day with that darn bring a trailer. It's like, ah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, it's, it's crack. Yeah, absolutely. Car guys. <laughs> if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? I would like to sit with Bob Lutz and have a drink. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I've seen him speak. You know, we've had a couple of conversations along the along the year uh, along the way, but I really just sit down and just shoot the shit. I think Bob would be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how about a book? Uh, is there a book that you might recommend to our listeners? Yes, definitely. My Sweetest Victory by Alex Zanardi. Ah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Love to have him on this show. I'm going to get him one of these days. Well, listeners, you can enjoy all these great things that Tom has shared on his. Cars yeah show notes page, just go to carsyeah.com, type in Thomas Plusinski, P-L-U-C-I-N-S-K-Y, and that page will pop up with all these great links. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Tom, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today, but there's a couple rules. You can only have this one collector car in your garage. Money is no object because I'm buying, so you can pick whatever you'd want. But I want you to drive it, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So <laughs> what can I buy you today? It's funny, you know, we play this game a lot. I'll our- bet. Yeah, <laughs> we all do as car guys. That's why I put some I, I rules to, attached to it. <laughs> yeah, you have to do that. But but I can have a, a daily car too, right? Of course. Well, you, you've oh, got okay. lots of those. Yeah, don't worry about makes, that. That makes it easy, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say it's actually one of the cars from, from our BMW collection, and that would be uh, the McLaren F1 GTR that we own. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Holy cow, I, that's going to cost I, me a pretty penny. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a night. Oh, yeah. Cost, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't sell it, I, I promise. Uh, you know, it's... The car is very important historically to to the automotive kingdom. It, it, it's it's just an important car. Uh, secondly, it's um, it sounds so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it's a race car, so yeah, it, it works really well that way. And it can be driven on the street a little bit, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's truly a spectacular car. And I think if if I given that choice, that would be it. I think so. Wow, what a nice what a nice choice too. BMW Power, of course, and the history with the connection between McLaren and BMW is absolutely fantastic. So nice right. choice, nice choice. Uh that's perfect for you, I think. Well, Tom, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Carsia audience. Would you offer us a parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset and that McLaren F1 GTR? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say uh, look for us when you're when you're out at any of the events. Follow your passions. We lo- all love cars. Come and talk to us. We love to talk to the, talk to our customers as well as talk to people who just bring out great cars. Drive yeah. them, please. Bring them out to events. Don't squirrel them away in garages somewhere. Nothing, nothing better than seeing all these wonderful old cars at a at a vintage race or a vintage event where you can hear them and see them move. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really 
Yeah, that's important. It's magic. And drive them. Please just yep. drive them. And thank you and your team for sharing those old race cars, bringing them to great places like LeMay, America's Car Museum, so those of us can see them that maybe can't get back to where they're housed. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and BMW? The best way to follow along with us would be to follow us on Twitter at uh, BMW USA News. BMW Group Classic is the the one out of uh, Munich, which is a really great one. BMW Motorsport. So these are all Twitter handles, um, one word, also out of Munich. And then another one in the U.S. is BMW USA Classic. On our Twitter account, we we show where we where we're going to run some of our classic race cars, and people can get rides in them if they play the cards right. So, you know, we like to bring them out. We like to exercise them and show them what they can do. Also, if you're interested in some of the history of BMW, we have a film on uh, YouTube called Go Like Schnell. So look it up. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and it talks about uh, the the CSLs back in 1975 that raced in the uh, IMSA series here yeah, and did very well with the likes of uh, Brian Redman and Hans Stuck and, and uh, Sam Posey at the wheel. So there you go. all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic guys too. Brian's been a guest on the show here. So listeners, you can find links to everything Thomas shared today on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Thomas Plasinski, and that page will pop right up. And if you're fortunate enough to attend the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance this year during Car Week, be sure to look for the BMW events that take place throughout the week. You can learn more about the Pebble Beach Concord at pebblebeachconcord.net. Tom, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.